ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the, let me repeat, the Rock and Roll Podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. Hey, Frank, and hello, listeners. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We are syndicated via Redline Radio, LLC, and you could also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Yeah, be sure to uh, undo your sweater and make your way over to the YouTube to see the goofy faces we make at each other while we put this podcast together. Just for uh, you. I love that. I love that. And for any new listeners out there, this is a podcast where Mark and I recommend albums to each other and we review them. We have a wide variety of musical discussions, like our Spotlight series, where we dig into a band's catalog and see what comes out on the other side. Yeah, and in our verse series, uh, we'll pit two bands against each other uh, and duke it out for total stereo domination. That's right. And be sure to check us out on Instagram. And now our new Facebook group, we like to drop additional content there that will hopefully leave you wanting more of our musical goodness and, of course, Mark's random nonsense. Now, if you have a record you want us to check out, please just drop a comment wherever you find us. And while you're at it, subscribe, give us a like, a review, a rating. And now I'm at the point where I say this. Mark, how are you? Frank, I'm good, man. Uh, another week in the old history books. It's uh. It's Friday. If you're listening to this today, it comes out. We're going to talk about some records. We are. We are. Now, I'm super amped and super excited about this episode because we have an album versus album lineup for everyone. And we haven't done one of these in a while. And we have done one where they're, the bol- where they're both albums by the same band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that band is Weezer. And we're pitting their self-titled debut, known as the Blue Album, against their second album, Pinkerton. Mark, how excited were you to be re-listening to these records again? The most excited, Frank. Uh, Weezer's always had the ability of taking uh, our generation back right to the hallways of, uh, of high school, uh, which is something I normally try to avoid in my, my everyday life. But in this particular case, uh, sonically, I was super stoked to get into it. And I just spit all over my screen because I've been drinking wine. <laughs> love it, love it. Now, before Mark, we get into this battle for Weezer album hierarchy, let's do a top ten. Top These albums were released in the '90s, and another awesome artist who begins with the letter W. I'm talking about Weird Al Yankovic was poking Ooh. fun at so many people in the '90s with his well-crafted parodies. He made some people agitated, but he made a lot of people laugh. So here it is. Let's do a top ten Weird Al parodies of the '90s, and I'll start, Mark, if you're cool with that. Can, can I do the top 10 thing? Yes, absolutely. Top 10. Top Got 10. it. Nailed it. Love it. Love Thanks, it. It's way, better than, it's way better than that little audio clip I always use. <laughs> oh, whatever. Come on. You do a great job. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Number 10. Here we go. Living in the Fridge. We're living in the Fridge. That's from Alapalooza. Uh, living in just- the Fridge. Oh, so great. It's so great. Uh, as I mentioned in our last episode, there, there was a parody they did of Living on the Edge by Aerosmith. Uh, Weird Al does such an amazing job when it comes to food songs, and this is a prime example, Living in the Fridge. Mark? Yeah, uh, so number nine is, uh, you guys saw this coming, Pretty Fly for a Rabbi, you know, uh, off Running with Scissors. Um, come on, you know how much Frank and I love old school offspring, so naturally, when uh, the weirdest uh, Weird Al uh, Alberto takes the piss out of New School Offspring, we're more than happy to sing along. <laughs> oh, man, this song, that song is so much fun. Love that song. Uh, coming in at number eight, we have the alternative polka. This is from the album Bad Hair Day. His polka medleys uh, stand and standalone 
uh, polka songs are just great. My daughters love them. And personally, I think it's Hamilton polka is better than the original stuff. People can find me on that. I don't care. Uh, this touches on all the tunes at the time, such as Bax Loser, uh, Stunt Temple Pilot Sex Type Thing, Nine Inch Nails Closer, Cheryl Crow's All I Want to Do, Soundgarden Black Hole Sun, Basket Case uh, from Green Day, and more. Uh, it's just a really good uh, medley, and it's a good time. Yeah, um, so... In the 90s, nothing was uh, sexier or funnier than Rico Suave. Uh, Frank's looking at the script right now and seeing how poorly I spelt Suave. I just guessed at it and spelled it as phonetically as possible. Beautiful. Listen, the only thing funnier and sexier than Rico Suave is Weird Al rapping about Mexican food um, to the rhythm of Rico Suave. It's, it's brilliant. It's yeah. Yeah, the fact that you put those two together. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. uh, number six, another one my uh, oldest daughter likes, uh, Grapefruit Diet from Running With Scissors. This is his take on the Cherry Pop and Daddy Zoot Suit Riot. Uh, as he did in the song Fat, he's making fun of overweight people, and there would probably be an outrage today. Um, but he delivers it all here, and it's hilarious, uh, again, as his food tunes are. Mark. Yeah, at number five, we have Gump. Off of Bad Hair Day. Uh, oh, man, come on. The Presidents of the United States of America. I know, right? The coolest band when you were in the eighth grade. Al just does a killer job of grabbing the spirit um, and fun of that original song and tying it uh, into and mocking one of uh, Tom Hanks's best performances. It's it's a, it's a Yeah. Again, taking those two things and just meshing them together. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, number four is Achy Breaky Song from Alpalooza. Weird Al, again, can take a... An absolutely horrible song like Billy Ray Cyrus's Achy Breaky song, uh, Heart and turn it into a good tune. Uh, he rips everyone from Donnie Marie, New Kids on the Block, Vanilla Ice, Abba, and even Yoko. Uh, Al just knows when songs are stupid and he lets you know about it. So Achy Breaky song coming in at number four. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm really fr- surprised Frank let me have this one and not take it himself. Uh, smells like Nirvana. Off the Deep. Uh, this is it, man. The, the song that cared hair, killed hair metal, right? It's uh, Weird Al's opus, <laughs> Smells Like Nirvana. Uh, without the genius of Weird Al, we'd still be listening to fucking great white Cinderella. <laughs> the song is perfect. <laughs> and I gave Mark that because I knew he would do a better job at, at describing that than I, than I would. <laughs> oh, number two. Amish Paradise, Bad Hair Day again. You know, he made Julio upset with this, and and that's probably because he knew it was a better song than his crap song. I mean, if Kurt Cobain was cool with Smells Like Nirvana, and he felt like he actually made it when his song was parodied, uh, oh, Julio getting upset to me is just mind-blowing. Anyway, listen, the song is amazing. It's hilarious. It uses everything imaginable with reference to the Amish culture. The video is classic. has uh, Mrs. Brady, Florence Henderson, uh, which even makes it more... Uh, amusing and the turning lots of butter part it, it just it always gives me a chuckle my friend now um a lot of people are going to be surprised that that's not number one right or um, even smells like nirvana maybe you know right right you know those were those were big hits um you know arguably uh amish paradise was his his biggest hit um i don't think anybody would be willing to argue that i actually didn't know that coolio wasn't cool with that, I mean, Cooley, Cool is in his name. His name's Coolio. You would think but, that he'd be totally fine with it. Yep. You know what? Hey, some, peop- <laughs> some people consider their music an art form, and whether we agree with them or not, I guess that's their prerogative. And, hey, look, I guess Weird Al paid for it, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, at number one, um, and this is 100% me making Frank pick this. Um, <laughs> I had a no choice. Ben- 
It's, it's Bedrock Anthem. I got the number one pick. We're going with my choice. Bedrock Anthem off of Alapalooza. Okay, I know I said that Smells Like Nirvana was perfection, right? But so is this. Because uh, my lord, mashing the Red Hot Chili Peppers with Fred goddamn Flintstone is a masterstroke in comedy songwriting artistry. Yeah. The band here sounds amazing. They've recreated the Chili Peppers' signature song with Al's signature voice. I mean, this thing's yabba do perfection. Uh, you can't help but dance and sing and laugh uh, all at the same time. It's he, the, the clips being cut in. Oh, it's so great. The, just the spirit of it, you really... Uh, to me, this song is one of the best examples of exactly what Weird Al does perfectly. Yeah, yeah. so good. And the uh, Barney Rubble, what a little wiener, is, is just a great... It's yeah. just such a great line. <laughs> uh, oh. it, makes me, it genuinely makes me laugh every time. Oh, I love it. I, yeah. Yeah, and my girls love it again, too, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. So, all right, so here we go. Album versus album. Where to begin, right? Boom, boom, boom. Where to begin? We're, we're pitting two important albums and quite possibly the band's best against each other. Uh, let's do a brief Weezer history. The band formed in L.A. in 1992. Original lineup was Rivers Cuomo on lead vocals and lead guitar, Patrick Wilson on drums, uh, James Cropper on guitar and backing vocals, and Matt Sharp on bass and backing vocals. During the recording of the Blue album, Cropper was replaced with Brian Bell. So before we talk all things Blue, Mark, let's talk about our introduction into Weezer. You, you go first, please. Well, I, I thought you were going to talk about um, Colonel Cropper uh, from the Blues Brothers. <laughs> yes. Um, and what I just watched last night. He was in the Memphis-style sound of the Blues Brothers. But since oh. that's not what we're talking about. Um, you know, I'm, for me, excuse me, this wine's drying out my throat. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the Buddy Holly being just everywhere when that song came out. You, you, you simply couldn't avoid it if you wanted to. Uh, and this dude... Uh, Robbie, I was in a band with. I don't know why I asked that like a question. This dude, Robbie, I was in a band with. Uh, absolutely was in love with this record. So we listened to that first album a bunch with uh, my drum set pinned against the corner of my bed uh, as we got ready for band. I, I think he wanted to cover uh, Surf Wax America, but in my uh, extraordinary drumming abilities, I couldn't possibly learn Pennywise's Broham and Surf Wax America at the same time. So we went with Broham. Um, how about you? <laughs> uh, for me, you know, it was, it was the first time I saw the, the weird video for Undone, the sweater song. It came on and I was like, what on earth? I was like a song about a sweater. Yeah, I really thought the song was about a sweater. I'm like, who's the singer with the bowl cut? Uh, these guys are nerds, which is funny because the nerd calling, you know, someone else a nerd. Uh, then I saw the album cover and I was like, okay, they look like regular dude. Just, just standing there in this simple blue background. And a friend of mine from school was like, oh yeah, you got to get this album. It, it really kicks ass. And then the, video for buddy holly came on and you know i was hooked man yeah there's um they're definitely a, pl a band excuse me ooh, wine uh was amazing replay replay rate for me um totally. there was some gaps personally um where i just kind of checked out of weezer where i was just kind of like oh i got all this other stuff going on uh but once you kind of like once you take a little taste you can't help but dive all the way in and he's not just talking about the wine, folks. <laughs> no, well, we'll see if you can do it, but yeah, there you go. So, so let's talk facts, Mark. I'll do the blue facts. You do the Pinkerton facts. So Love here it. we are. Weezer blue album or self-titled released May 10th, 1994 on DGC records and produced by the Karsrick Ocasette, which is important to note here regard with regards to the overall 
sound. We got 10 tracks of 41 minutes and spawned three singles, Undone the Sweater Song, Buddy Holly, and Say It Ain't So. Certified triple platinum in 1995 and obviously brought the band into mainstream contention. Um, and it's their best, obviously their best selling album. So Mark, what a, what a debut album to have, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll get into, uh, into it in a minute, but as far as like it's ranking amongst other bands, first records, this is a hard debut album to beat. Um, certainly within their, you know, the time frame of when this came out, really probably all of the nineties, it's going to be hard to find better debut albums. And, you know, as far as that's concerned, you look at musical history, three big smash hits. Um, the album sold, sold amazingly overall. Um, and it's, it's one of the, this is, I think what we really get into is that like the cult of Weezer, I feel mm. like there's people are in love with Weezer. It, it's not all over the place. It's not tattooed all over their arms and their bodies, but there's a deep love for Weezer. And I think it starts with this record. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's talk about the overall sound too, since we're comparing albums by the same band and me and you love that old genre game. Uh, as mentioned, Rick Ocasette from the Cars uh, produced the album and he persuaded the band to change the pickups on the guitar from the neck to the bridge position. This is important because this resulted in a brighter sound. They didn't use reverb and they used all downstrokes for guitar playing. Uh, to me, the bright guitars and the downstrokes give it that new wave, even punky guitar sound. Uh, they worked hard really on the harmonies almost in a barbershop quartet style and we almost get this amped up version of of the beach boys uh, so add in some kicking guitar solos that to channel reverse guitar heroes and you have almost a really interesting take on what was going on in 94 uh mark what would you say on the the overall sound of the blue album here you know i think you summarized it very well the album captures beautifully the you know, the loss of innocence almost uh that comes with maturing uh for its bright guitars and tones, it has a complex and intimate a kind of melancholy that captures the feeling of what many of us of coming of age with this record were feeling. Um, oh, and we're playing a little game tonight. The game is called uh, Weezer Wine Pairing. <laughs> so uh, I reached out to my good buddy Nathan uh, for recommendations based on these albums we're listening to tonight. Uh, now, Nathan is a professional wine snob, a.k.a. a sommelier, uh, and has a totally badass record collection, which I will personally vouch for. Um, we came up with this kind of last minute, uh, so Nathan made suggestions. I got the exact thing he recommended, and Frank, <laughs> Frank, tell the listeners what you did. Well, yeah, I, I got the equivalence of both, but I'm also, as everyone can tell, watching my figure and calories. So I'm going to take the littlest sip of the one recommended for Pinkerton when we get there. Uh, plus, my wife didn't want me opening both bottles at one time. Yeah, whereas uh, my <laughs> wife was like, yeah, just open those bottles and drink them yourself, you alcoholic. Um, so this may not work out perfectly, uh, but at least our wives will have plenty of wine when we're done. Yeah, um, like Now, we've got the Blue Album up first, and his recommend recommendation for this album was a, uh, you guys know me with funny words and, and uh, long names. I'm going to fuck this up. I'm sorry. I'll try to show you the bottle when I can. Um, this is our, uh, here we go. There you go. Beckman Cuvée Le Black. Uh, Nathan chose this one for being a bit grittier. 
saying it mirrors the guitar tones, deep, richer, slightly rougher around the edges. So drink along as we talk about the record, yeah. and we'll see how old Frankie Boy and I think Nathan did with pairing the wine to these records. Uh, now, this is the one, like I said, because we're starting with the blue record, Frankie yes. won't be drinking. But, yes. Uh, so, so Mark will give us his opinion on it. Yeah, it's got a nice nose to it. <laughs> it's wet. I'm yeah. not a wine drinker. I think people should know that. Like, I only have one wine glass. So this is an aperitif glass. It's a nice glass. Something I sell in my own time, and this is the only wine glass in my house. Oh, that's a nice glass too. But I know, I know from drinking with Nathan that if I hold the glass while I'm drinking, he'll stab me in the throat. You got to hold the, you got to hold the stem. So that's why I picked a, a glass with a stem. Um, yeah, here we go, track by track. Uh, yep, the blue, blue album. album. Let's do it. Um, I'm going first, right? So yes, sir. My name is Jonas. Yes, sir. Track one, side one. Uh, so excited to be getting this started. Uh, it's an amazing song. Really sets up the band's signature sound uh, that we all know and love. Uh, the lyrics are smart and catchy as fuck, and it rocks. Uh, River, I'm on a first-name basis with him, uh, really sets up uh, the whole world within the song and sells each concept uh, wonderfully by not spending too much time on what any of it means. What train? Who the fuck is Jonas? The foreman hurt his hand. Why are the workers going home? It doesn't matter. <laughs> great, great song. It's a great introduction to the band, illustrating the style with the shiny guitars, great vocal performance, and, and a cool guitar solo. I like how the song picked up in the middle and the repetition of the workers are going home. It, it just sounds, they're going home. Sounds very pleasant to the ears. I like the overall loudness and how it slightly even drowns out the vocals. So I think it, I think it works really, really well. Um, track two, no one else. So another loud guitar where we almost get the drowning out of the vocals. It seems intentional, but it works. It's a lighthearted song. And to me, this is where that beach boys meets nineties rock comes into play. Uh, if you were to have the deluxe edition, which, which I am showing those watching on YouTube. Yeah. Right here um, on the second disc, there's an acoustic version uh, and it's beautiful of the, of no one else. The harmonies are, are, just beautiful again, beautiful and precise. The line is, I want a girl who will laugh for no one else. It's potent. It means something. If you really ponder about it, it it's very simple and there's a little bit more to it. So I, I love the tune. What about you, Mark? This is a, a perfect kind of nineties melancholy that I mentioned earlier. Uh, the overtop kind of clinginess uh, and devotion to women. He describes as a, a monster yet to be uh, subservient to him. Uh, the music is light and bouncy. It's just amazing. The, the, the ability to balance that darkness uh, with the light, bright guitars. Um, it's certainly something, you know, Weezer fans are familiar with. Um, it's just really well done. It's so good. So good. Um, at track number three, we've got uh, The World Has Turned and Left Me Here. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like if the B-52s wrote this song, it would be called The World Has Turned and Left Me Here, <laughs> Alone with the World. <laughs> um, I'm just, that doesn't mean anything. I just want to have fun. Um, I like it. Uh, so much of this record and Weezer is about obsession and those conversations we wish we had uh, and the little we wish we had said. Um, it's so simple and straightforward. The harmonies are perfect and give the band such a depth and range. Uh, while the album has an air of youth to it, you can tell Weezer has kind of like that old man soul to him. 
um, it's just it's just a really beautiful song. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. I remember hearing it for the first time, and I'm like, wow, that's a really well written tune to me it's one of the pillars of the albums that has some foreshadowing of what's to come on pinkerton uh it's one of the more serious tunes to me because it touches on that loneliness theme uh with their lyrics like i just made love to your sweet memory one thousand times in my head and then i talked for hours to your wallet photograph and you just listened again like it, it's brewing inside and just a a, a very not creepy well at all yeah not creepy <laughs> Not in the least, right? <laughs> uh, it's just a very well done song. Um, now we get to uh, Buddy Holly. I mean, this this is the song that made me like the super fan, right? It's fun. Uh, you get that video with Happy Days Environment, which was to me amazing to see because uh, the Fonz was one of those early idols for me. Uh, you know, an early and slower, more lifi version appears on the Rivers Home Recordings album. Um, there was hesitation even to put it on the album because there was a concern it might be too cheesy. But obviously, that decision paid off. It still holds up to me. Uh, it's a power pop gen, but with uh with all the fillings such a great tune uh mark buddy holly yeah 100 percent. this is a top shelf pastry in a power pop bakery and you can't help but pick it up um <laughs> i love that i found an article online that claims the title of this was almost ginger rogers oh. uh, and the lyrics would have been you look like ginger rogers oh oh i move just like fred astaire it's just kind of hard to imagine a world where Buddy Holly isn't the focus of Buddy Holly. It's such a, it, it, <laughs> the song fits so well and just kind of did so much to define the band that I think they may have re- resented it a little bit, um, certainly with their popularity and their fame. Uh, but it, it's so classic. And, and I do want to say, I was naive enough. I thought they were from Wisconsin <laughs> because that's how they introduce them as Wisconsin's own. And like, yeah. so whatever. But originally for the longest time i thought they were from wisconsin that's awesome uh track five yes undone aka the sweater song uh this for me was when i knew weezer had more uh going on than just the cheekiness of buddy holly uh i love the stutter start drum fill intro uh and the slow verse uh they managed to build a soundscape that pulls you into their world and feels like you're standing in the back of a show, overhearing people's conversations about wanting to go to a party that nobody actually wants to, to be at. Uh, again, the agony of youth just captured beautifully in this song. Yeah. I mean, this is the debut single, you know, and when I first saw the video, I didn't get it. I literally, again, as I said earlier, thought it was about actual sweaters, the video again had dogs running around it was overly simple as far as the musical structure goes and initially i wasn't impressed but it's compelling now how we could have all these different interpretations of song meanings years later i for some reason assumed that it was a, the, the dialogue represented a party and at the beginning and then the sweater the sweater excuse me represents an unwanted uh, sexual encounter but rivers said here and indeed it's a sad song uh but didn't state the specific content of it and although i i think it's the weaker of three singles i've grown to appreciate it especially the build-up and that overall simplicity and fun fact since we mentioned him earlier on weezer's cover of africa in the video um it's a parody of the video of the sweater song and weird al is playing rivers so there you go tying everything together Mm. Mm. 
Next, we get uh, Surf <laughs> Wax America. Uh, I liked this actually a little bit more when I was younger. I, I like the feedback on the guitars right before the everything comes in and the distortion in the guitars. It's fun. It's lighthearted. I, I like the effort, again, to harmonize in the middle. Not my favorite on the album, but still a good time. What about you, Mark? Uh, to me, this is kind of their Ramones meets the Beach Boys track. Um, it's got this great pace to it. And uh, like a lyrical defiance uh, we haven't seen from them yet. Um, and like you said, it, it's got a great melody. It's it's just an awesome song. And like I said, I tried to learn this years and years and years ago. I just couldn't fucking figure it out. There you it's, go. Th- these songs are deceptively simple um, and, and actually really, really complex. Which yeah. Is so cool. Um, at track number seven, Say It Ain't So. Uh, just personal and haunting. You know, it's a, it's a slower song, especially if you know the taste of music I have. Um, this is probably one of the slower songs that I really get into, but it's, it's so well done. Um, I love that even when the song picks up speed, it's never faster than a, a steady rock, uh, rocking motion. Yet you can't help but move to the song the entire time. I love the, the kind of duet vocals. Um, yeah. I don't even think duet vocals is the right word because they're not dueling. They're just singing at the same time. Um, and it creates this ominous tone. Uh, and the phrasing, just it just gives me chills every word. Um, you know, just it feels so familiar. Even if you've never wrestled with Jimmy, you don't understand. <laughs> you know, you, you do get to understand those emotions of what they're going through and what what the story they're telling. It's, it's just a captivating track with rich uh, and beautiful sonic presence. Yeah. I mean, if Buddy Holly gained my attention to the fact that this band had potential, then Say It Ain't So solidified it and made them a serious band uh, to me. Uh, it's another one of those pillars. Oh, Mark left and now he's back. <laughs> It's another one of those pillars, as I mentioned some tracks ago, um, as far as the serious nature that we'll see on Pinkerton. It tackles River's father and his alcohol problem that he felt led to his parents' divorce. Musically, we get upstrokes on the rhythm guitar in the background. And uh, this, to me, is some of the best guitar work with appearances of feedback right before the chorus, which is great, great placement musically. Uh, River's delivers a great solo and a strong vocal performance. It's a really strong track, and to me, it has aged very, very well so say it ain't so is, is a great great tune uh, in the garage this is where it gets a little silly for me again let's listen it's witty it's cool i'm cool with dnd and the whole universe i don't think rivers thought that this was some life altering song as the lyric states specifically he plays his stupid songs and he writes these stupid words uh but he loves them and he uh, listen he's having a good time on this song uh what about you mark yeah i agree with you frank the garage is, is his safe place and right. while some of things uh, in there are silly. It's safe. You know, his kiss poster, uh, Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler from X-Men, his silly songs. Uh, it just speaks to more of that need to cling to his youth um, while it's being torn away from him when, you know, he's outside the garage. I, I think it's actually a really sweet number. I do. Um, track number nine. It's called Holiday. <laughs> It's uh, escapism as its finest, right? It's a it's a poppy ballad, fantasy that has all the sweet and bright notes of youth. Uh, the harmonies are spot on. It does an amazing job of showing the band's skill at building a wall of sound and using it effectively to punctuate the song. Simple but kind of lovely idea. Um, let's get away for a holiday. <laughs> you can tell I'm not good at the harmonies, but doesn't mean the song's bad. Mine's lovely too. 
<laughs> it's another power pop tune. It's catchy, and I like the middle with the snapping and the harmonizing. Again, I thought that was well thought out. Uh, you know, put this within the garage and surf wax to me into that all right category of songs, but it, it's still it, it. You know, it's a good it's a good tune. Um, mm-hmm. Now we get the closer, which is only in dreams, almost at eight minutes. This is another one of those pillars, both musically and lyrically, that I think will bridge these two albums together. Uh, the song, um, if the song is actually about a girl or one's artistic. Uh, process uh, it's gained attention as being a fan favorite in the Weezer world Uh, the clean and undistorted verses really give us a taste as to what's to come with the 90s emo bands or the later 90s emo bands Uh, it's a great way to end the album with imagery and dreams and you know well you know make the songs being very atmosphere and dreamy at the same time so I think it was a it's a fantastic track what about you you know, Only in Dreams is one of those songs that you can't help but listen to and realize that you love this fucking band. Yeah. Um, it's so inviting. It's so introspective that it really does leave so much to the listener to fill in and make it kind of their dream. Um, normally, I'm, I'm bored with a song that goes on this long. Yes. Uh, but they're really able to keep your attention um, through the additional bridges and choruses uh, it builds sonically just an amazing dreamscape. Um, I don't know how else this album could end. Uh, right. Where the album starts like you've landed on an alternate earth where everything's slightly different and nerdier. Only in dreams has you kind of peering back up at the stars uh, only to be pushed ears first to the horizon. Love it. That's a beautiful, beautiful description, my friend. I was high as shit when I wrote that. <laughs> Love it, love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So let's do a summary in favorite or at least tracks or both. Uh, this album is an amazing debut uh, for the band, and I'm not sure they even knew uh, what it was when it was being recorded. I think the influence of the Cars and Rick Ocasette is heard loud and clear, represents another avenue uh, that a band in the 90s can can go on. It didn't have to be this, this drowning grunge sound or even pop punk uh maybe it's a little bit of both sprinkled in with some beach boys and guitar solos uh, i totally get the legacy of this album it holds up a hundred percent i do feel maybe there's a little inconsistency vibe with, with some of the really powerful and serious songs and then some on the opposite pole um but again still holds up my favorite tracks are world is turned and left me here buddy holly saying so only in dreams least favorite i would say it's that trio of maybe surf wax holiday and in the garage uh it was an enjoyable listen then and is was very enjoyable now uh and i mean they basically how impactful this album was because they took that color concept and they named another five albums after after colors so uh obviously it was a, it was a staple so mark your 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 thoughts on the blue album overall So for me, this album is all about adolescence uh, and the inherent obstacles that come with it. You know, negotiating those obstacles with the guitar is a tricky thing to get across. And and I really feel that they've found a way to do that, uh, which is both honest and makes the listener experience as important as River's experience writing these songs. Um, I have very few issues with this record. Um, I dig all the singles. Uh, I thought they did a great job representing the album's uh, diverse uh, yet signature sound. Um, you know, those deeper cuts, no one else, Surf Wax USA, Only in Dreams, uh, stand out to me as, uh, as well and display the, the depth of Weezer, uh, excuse me, the depth Weezer brings uh, to the table on any given record. Um, to your point, Frank, this is an amazing first record and a band 
uh, arguably one of the best first albums compared to any of its contemporaries. Um, let's talk about the wine, Frank. <laughs> yeah, you tell me, Mark, how did it go with this record? Uh, I'm, I'm pleasure, pleasantly pleased. <laughs> I, is, did you see me refill? I had to I, I pop did. up to turn on the wine. Can you, those at home can see I'm fogging my glasses a little bit from the, yes. the drinking. So yes, he didn't, he didn't get bored with what I was saying for the record. He was going and getting more wine. <laughs> so I, I didn't turn on the fan. The wine's oh. right here. Oh, okay. I got it. It's at arm's length. <laughs> um, so do you think the wine matched up well with the overall vibe of the blue record? I think it did. It's, it's a little light, fruity. It's, it's kind of fun, but at the same time, it's got a little bit of bitterness that, mm. uh, you know, some underlying notes that really, really go well with it. I do have to say now, in fairness, Nate made these recommendations to me, and then the last thing he said was, drink the Pinkerton one first. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the way the show goes. So, wah, wah. But, hey, look, I, I'm going to have a great time with it anyways. He's got an amazing palate. I've got a palate made for dog shit. So, <laughs> there um, you go. All right. So, well, speaking of Pinkerton, let, let's, let's do it. Um, you know, on to Pinkerton. Glasses. There you go. So, does one think a lot has changed in two years? Uh, it, it has. And, and let's, uh, let's go through the facts of Pinkerton because a lot, a lot has changed. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. Um, here we go. Um, Weezer Pinkerton released September the 24th, 1996 on DGC records. And this time the dam- the band produced the album as opposed to Rick. How do you say his last name? Okasek. Sure. That guy. Um, <laughs> 10 tracks, 34 minutes. Uh, it spawned three singles, El Scorcho, The Good Life, and Pink Triangle. Um, certified platinum in 2016. Um, as the album was not well received at first um, by uh, fans and critics, but eventually uh, kind of got a cult following. I think a little bit of that cult we, we talked about earlier. This is the last album featuring bassist Matt Sharp. Um, there was a four year gap between the blue album and Pinkerton, excuse me, it was two year. I don't know why I wrote four. Um, in between, um, and the band would play shows, uh, featuring all Nirvana and Oasis covers under the pseudonym goat punishment. Wow. Yeah. So this is, um, (laughs) it's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I found that very interesting. Although that fact did come with the wrong time, the wrong amount of years on it. So who knows how, I mean, maybe they did it once or twice. It's still pretty cool. (laughs) Um, I'm going on now. Um, this is where we talk about our initial thoughts on the album. Uh, I honestly don't remember what my thoughts were on it when it came out. Uh, I think it was released and I kind of missed it while I was listening to other stuff. Um, I certainly remember circling back to it at some point uh, after its release and remembering like, oh, well, this isn't the same as the last album. And I think it went away. And then like sometime around college, I came back to it and I, I realized how much was there and how cool this record was. Um, but again, it was one of those ones that didn't sink on into me until, until later on, like a lot of folks. Um, what about you, Franco Steino? <laughs> uh, so the buzz around high school at the time was there was a new Weezer album. So I, I went in and I got it right away. Gone was the happy blue cover and enter was this dark toned Latin and somber artwork. Uh, Pinkerton is named after the character BF Pinkerton from Giacomo's Pachuni's 1904 opera 
and I'm a butterfly, and I totally butchered it, but that's what I said. So that's Madam Butterfly. There you go. The only when, word out of that I would have gotten right. <laughs> when Cuomo described it as an uh, Amer- uh, asshole American sailor similar to the touring rock star, like the opera, the album contains references to the Japanese culture, so there's a little bit of a concept album here, um, even though it's not consistent, right? Tiny, tiny little bit. Uh, yeah. The album right off the bat was disappointing to fans and critics, and myself, I, along with many others, wanted Blue Album Number 2. Uh, it's the same four dudes in the band, so what changed? Well, what brought on this abrasive and edgy and introspective sound? Well, two things. One is Cuomo's disgruntlement with the rock style and overall loneliness. He also applied and was accepted to Harvard during this time of study, uh, which he studied classical composition. And his letter to Harvard expressed his dissatisfaction with stardom. So again, lots going on here uh, from Okaset's influence not being there to the Blue Album success to loneliness that contributed to the pain that we're witnessing now on this album, Pinkerton, Mark. Yeah, so before we start the review, let's crack that second bottle of wine. I'm joining this time. There you go. Now Frank's going to play along. And um, now he's not drinking what was recommended. That's okay. Oh. We're doing our best here. But, um, you know, it's all right. This one we're drinking is a <laughs> – get ready for me to butcher some words, Frank. There you go. Dumaine de Deus Fontaine Loret. And I honestly don't know what any of that means. Uh, this was recommended for Pinkerton because of its soft, ripe fruit, much like a love letter, Frank. Ah, gotcha. And just now that we've yeah, see, oh, how, you wanna, see, see how little, yeah, yeah salute. Just taking a taste, folks. Salute. Salute. Uh, <laughs> okay, now that we've got our drinks, why don't uh, why don't you kick it off for us, Frankie? It's just like Pinkerton, my friend. Ooh. Ooh, all right. So we're in first track here. Tired of sex. Well, we went from the ultra safe My Name is Jonas to this darker, heavier, louder, filled with angst tune. The tune was actually written before the Blue Album, but it fits in and talks about the meaningless sex encounters and actually wanting to have those encounters have meaning. Uh, it's great. It's loud. There's a solo. And you could tell the skill of his voice here as it gets loud and edgy and not whiny uh i i love this track what about what about you man you know a great deal of what makes this album so uh i think what people refer to as rough and and so much darker is likely to be attributed to the band not working with the cars rick okasak okasak i'll take it i'll take it uh whatever the case weezer kicks off their sophomore album with this kind of haunting rocker that directly opposite where the previous album left off um going as far as to say I don't even know who I am and I'm ashamed of what I said. And I know I'm a sinner, but I can't say no. Buckle up kids. This ain't the last record. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no. So track two, mm-hmm. get you, mm-hmm. um, which I believe is supposed to mean get you. Um, it's not just like a, a racist sneeze. Um, sorry. I couldn't help myself. Like the wine's kicking in folks. Um, this is beginning to hurt. This is beginning to get serious. Um, I mean, the opening lines were treated to some pretty heavy guitar work and harmonies. Uh, lyrically, they deliver on the darker themes of obsession. This album is just classically known for. Yeah. This is when I remember off the bat, I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not into this, but it grew on me. It's nothing that's listen overly amazing, but it still fits the overall darkness and loneliness. Again, more aggressive than the tracks on the previous records. And it sits nicely at, at 
track number two. So the positioning of that song is great. Um, no other one. Okay, this is for me where it gets interesting. Cuomo does such a great job with his lyrics on the record, saying the things that otherwise maybe might be difficult for others to formulate and put into words. So for example, she's all I got and I don't want to be alone. I mean, what a thing to say and come to grips with because you know once you do, then change is inevitable and that's scary. Uh, and all the drugs she does scares me real good. Another cool line showcasing the perceived good boy, which in this case could very well be Cuomo, with the bad girl. Uh, again, a, a track I, I really, really dig. What about you, Mark? You know, it's it's kind of brooding, creepy, and, and sad all at the same time. I love the super fuzzy guitar tone and the over-the-top drumming. Uh, for what could be confused with otherwise romantic sentiment, um, perfectly deflecting the idea that this relationship is anyway ideal. Um, I, I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. Good time. Um, yeah. Track number four is Why Bother? Um, you know, folks at home, dating at any age is, is fucking horrible. Um, this is how a lot of dudes deal with that. Uh, I don't know that it's the healthiest of choices, but it's certainly not the worst of ideas. Uh, that said, it's a bold choice to make a two-minute song about it. Creepy a bit, but bold. I dig it. <laughs> it's a fun power pop slash pop punk short tune for me. It showcases loneliness and how he wants something more than sexual attraction. And if it's not real, then he'd rather whack it off. That's right, folks masturbation i mean all jokes aside that that's there there's a sentiment there there's a real sentiment there um across the sea so i don't think in my opinion <laughs> I got him. you got me you got me i don't think in my opinion weezer has ever done anything that's been deemed as controversial but this may be at the beginning of that term it may be where the term meets uh it, at least uh you know d- depending on what your definition is uh, to the individual here we have a fan level fan letter received during the uh, infernal loneliness period. I mean, some potent lyrics again, where those may not want to express uh, that in their head, um, but uh, they're just really good. So listen to this. So they don't make stationary like this. Where I'm from, so fragile, so refined. So I sniff and I lick your envelope and fall to little pieces every time. I wonder what clothes you wear to school. I wonder how you decorate your room. I wonder how you touch yourself and curse myself for being across the sea. To me, someone who's written songs in the past and may write a couple in the future, that opened up a whole new world of writing and describing stuff. I love that set of lyrics and the buildup, and especially it's it's not your fault, Mama. Just gets me every time. Fantastic track, Mark. Yeah, I like that we go from a song about uh, him masturbating to a song about her masturbating. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Uh, The band hasn't been shy about uh, how they didn't like dealing with fame uh, from the last album. And I think this is a great example of not knowing how to interact with someone just mailing you their fucking emotions. Um, I love this line, should I shave my head and become a monk? Um, I sure as shit wouldn't know how to deal with that. As far as the music goes on this track, it's pretty rocking. They do a great job of matching uh, lyrical intensity with, with some really grunny, grungy sonic fuzz. I, I dig this song. It, Frank makes a great point. This is such an interesting way to articulate things yeah. most people would choose not to say. Yep. Um, really, really well done. And I think that's what makes them appear to be a little bit smarter, other than the fact that they're nerds. Uh, than everybody else. <laughs> so track six is The Good Life. 
this is a tricky one because it lulls you in with its tone and you feel like you're back in the blue album, but it's the self-deprecation. One of my personal strengths uh, is just on full display and the band doesn't let him play it down. Um, it's got all the hallmarks uh, of the band that you love and blends perfectly with the loneliness and desperation of this album. Um, possibly my favorite track on the record, Frank. Yeah, so this is the first song I gravitated when I wasn't happy that this wasn't the Blue Album Part 2, and you may have nailed it because it sounds maybe most like the Blue Album. Uh, I like the guitar riff here in the beginning, and it may have the brightest, it may be the brightest toned song uh, on the album. I'm really impressed with Rivers and his soloing ability. It's a positive message in the sea of desolation. He's dissatisfied with what he's currently at, and he wants to turn the corner and get back. I really like this song. Um El Scorcho, right? El Scorcho. The sing- El Scorcho. Uh, this is the single or the you know, the first single. I know people have uh, beef with this tune being pushed as the single and comparing it to what was <laughs> on Blue. I personally like this song. I like the riff used during the verse, during the choruses, and that middle eight section where we actually get some punk drumming. Uh, lyrically, I love his use of Goddamn. To me, this is way more impressive and stimulating than dropping F-bombs all the time. I, I mean, really, Fudge, right? I really yeah, like that. You're talking about Fudge? Absolutely. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. (laughs) The Green Day reference is cool. Uh, And the watching grunge leg drop New Jack through a press table. It's cool. It was taken from an essay by a classmate uh, of his at Harvard. uh, And I love the ECW reference. And anyone who knows anything about wrestling, New Jack is nuts, by the way. So um, the song is catchy to me and and I think it holds up. So, Mark? This is kind of a weird one for me. It's... um... I like that it's fun and you hear them back being playful with that rhythm in the opening. Um, but the verse and the chorus get a little bit cringy for me um, with some kind of hardcore stalker vibes. Um, I really dig the structure of the song though. They make a real like musical roller coaster out of it. Um, this is, there is some really cool stuff here lyrically. Um, like what's going on in out. one song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of generic stuff that comes across perhaps too dark. Um, perhaps the band intended, or, or maybe they didn't. I don't know. Um, you know, maybe that's the way they wanted it to come out. And, you know, um, maybe the, the first album was too light and this was their response to that. I think that's a possibility. Um, it just doesn't jive quite as much with me. Anyways, yeah. number eight, uh, Pink Triangle. Um is another one problem for me. Uh, this song doesn't do, do much for me. It kind of makes me think a little less with every pass. I, I just, it, I get that sexual identity is tricky uh, and downright troublesome for some dudes and dudettes. It's a problem for everybody. Um, it's just that line. Everyone's a little queer. Uh, oh, can't she be a little straight? Um there's so much on the album about finding real love and making love and not wanting something casual, but the possessive nature of that line entirely makes my skin crawl um, because it does essentially negate what a woman would want as opposed to would want consensually uh, as opposed to on her own. So it's just me being a picky liberal um, otherwise, the song's fine. <laughs> now I'm going to be own the, that. Yes, and he could own it. We talked about this earlier, and I'm going to be the the uh, polar opposite, picky uh, individualist, where I think it's just someone he happened to like, and then finds out that 
in this sea of loneliness, he cannot obtain her. So it's that it's that issue of not being able to obtain her. Um, they did that song Suzanne off the Mallrats soundtrack. So that Kevin Smith connection for some reason made me think of Chasing Amy. Hearing this later, later years later, uh, I, I think we listen. We've maybe all been there at some points. I know I have in my teen years where maybe you like a girl, and again, they're obtainable. Why are they obtainable? Uh, it's not something that that necessarily means it's bad it just means you can't get to them uh the whole when i'm stable long enough this is where i like it though where i'm stable long enough i start to look around for love and then we were good as married in my mind but married in my mind is no good again bringing at home with people's tendencies that I found to be relatable outside of the whole pink triangle bit. Uh, someone gives you attention and bam, in your head you're married. So I don't know. I, I happen to like that tune. Um, but I do like the next tune better. And I think Mark does also, which is Falling For You. Uh, that's another tune that I find some solace with during relationships, especially in the beginning. There's a number of irrational fears, he says, that I like to share with you. And he says that you say like too much. Again, that's a, that's a line that man, if, if a lot of us could conceptualize and catch maybe even in those moments, uh, we could maybe avoid some headaches, heartbreaks, all those things. Again, displaying those tendencies. Um, and I think that's a really, it's a good track. I, I, I really like the track. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I, I really would have liked to see this as a single over pink triangle. Uh, I think sonically I agree. it does. I agree. It, I think it does more sonically. Uh, lyrically, he does an amazing job of describing how emotionally unavailable he really is without blaming the girl for her sexuality rather than rejecting him because he's kind of a creep and wanting to get fucking married uh, right out of the gate. Sweet goddamn. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, I feel like it's a better song than that was. Um, and it's a little bit, what I like about Weezer is when they're being introspective and they do a good job in Pink Triangle of being very introspective and pointing out that he's wrong for wanting these things. It still just makes my skin crawl. So I'm going to leave it at that. Um, we get the last track, Butterfly. Um, I really like this as the end of the album. Um, we spent so much time navigating what's, what's in River's uh, bed <laughs> uh, in a relationship. Uh, it's fitting he would use this metaphor to, to kind of wrap it all up. Um, yep. I love the phrasing he uses in delivery. Frank has already selected some lyrics. I've, I attached the second half of that last um, oh, okay. stanza for you because I, I really think it's important. Yes. Um, and we can talk about it after you do it if you want, or I can just explain it now. But um, I think Frank's going to do a beautiful job of, of pointing out why this song is so gorgeous. He does a great job of formulating these lyrics and, and it works so beautifully with just that acoustic guitar and a little bit of drum. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, like you said, it's a great way to end a really emotional album. And you know, think about the lone, it's the lone acoustic song finishing this really, really gut-wrenching album. So here are the lyrics. I'm sorry for what I did. I did what my body told me. I didn't mean to do you harm. Every time I pin down what I want, it slips away. The ghost, it slips away. Smell you on my hands for days. I can't wash away your scent. If I'm a dog, then you're a bitch. And then, Mark, this is where... Is this what you wanted to add in here? Yeah, this is the second half of that that stanza. It starts with the smell you on my hands for days. Um, and then the last line of th- that half of the stanza is then you're a bitch. But I feel like, and I mean, I'll just go ahead and do it. Yeah, smell yeah. you on my hand for days. I can't wash away your scent. If I'm a dog, then you're a bitch. bitch. 
I guess you're as real as me. Maybe I can live with that. Maybe I need fantasy. Yeah. So the, the reason I, I didn't want to end on then you're a bitch, because this really isn't about calling her a name or, or relating to the two of them to just animals. It's really about his fantasy and how much of this album is about what's going on in his head and the fantasies that are going. I really thought that that was just kind of an important part to add because it, it speaks to the whole thing in, in, a, in a very honest kind of way. Um, although you, that last line, if I'm a dog, then you're a bitch, is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't so, get it at 16, but I eventually yeah. did. And again, I think it, it sums up the whole loneliness and the reason why you nailed it. It's in his head. It's in his head because of all that alone time and everything he had going on and great imagery, great sadness, perfect ending to an album. Uh, I mean, another really good album, Mark, if you want to do a little, little summary and then your favorite and least favorite tracks from it. You know, you wouldn't know it from just listening to this podcast, but I'm kind of a dark dude. Uh, when it comes to how I see the world and my troubles with every relationship I've ever had, not just women, but everyone, parents, friends, strangers, all of them. So when this album speaks to the difficulties of connecting with people, through most, though mostly through sexuality and extra here, I connected with it, uh, despite where it did make me cringe a little. I see a lot of my personal darkness in it. It's darkness. So I like that. <laughs> um, now that I've talked about myself, um, I think once you get past this being the follow-up to the Blue Album and look at it for what it is, this record is beautiful, uh, excuse me, is as beautiful as it is morose. Um, I f it feels very much like a coming-of-age tale that happens to feel real because many of us can relate to the discomfort that are able to express in coming to age. Um, I really dig it. My favorites are Get You, uh, The Good Life, uh, and Believe It or Not, Butterfly. I really uh, just enjoy the way they do that track. Uh, now, before uh, you wrap this up, first old uh, Frankie Sam, what did you think of our second one? Yeah, so uh, it definitely, I was joking when I said it, it tasted like Pinkerton, but I could see playing the record. Mm hmm. Uh, and it just being you in had a, it available to show us. Yeah, it just being in a in a dark room. Here's the record right here. Right, here's the record right there. I just got yeah. it this week, so I still have to you know open it from the cell. Oh, nice. Okay. But uh, and it's white vinyl, by the way. But um, being in a dark room and listening to it and 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 sipping sipping that. Now I had a little sip, but I could see where the two relates with its flavor. Um, very very robust, and uh, it, it to me it had some edge. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I really dig it. Um, I see where he's, he described it as a little bit of a love letter uh, in that a little bit of sweetness to it. But I also liked there's, uh, there's definitely some, some darkness to it, some bitterness to it. Um, and I think it, I think it went, goes really well with this record. Um, yeah. I'm having a fun time drinking it. <laughs> and listen, this is an amazing record. It's insane how some critics early on uh, – put this on a downward spiral and the effects were pivotal to the band. Now, Matt Sharp, he left the band after, and, and I think he had some edge to him that we, and, and we didn't get another album for six years. Uh, embarrassed by the reviews, River changed, Rivers, excuse me, changed his whole writing style and approach. And that's why really today we have Light and Poppy Weezer, especially in the Green Album, and everything changed after that. So imagine if the initial reviews were positive, then the band's course, they could have been different. I'm not saying they wouldn't have made some of the songs that, that we're hearing today. However, 
things could have been different. Now, Rivers in 2001 stated that uh, Pinkerton is a hideous record. It is such a hugely painful mistake that happened in front of hundreds of thousands of people and continues to happen on a grander and grander scale and just won't go away. It's like getting really drunk at a party and spilling your guts in front of everyone and feeling incredibly great and cathartic about it and then waking up the next morning realizing what a complete fool you made of yourself. Now, I... (laughs) What, what are you trying to say, Frank? I'm, I'm not trying. I'm, this is about Rivers. I'm saying this is about Rivers. Oh, oh right, right. Yeah. Rivers Cuomo of yes. the band Yes. Now, during the band's time off, they uh, this album amassed a, a huge cult following and became a staple for for emo bands such as Jimmy World, Dashboard Confessional, Saves the Day, and Motion City soundtrack. Now, although an emotional record. I typically don't think it's classic emo. I think there's traditional rock structures and solos and River's voice gets loud, but is controlled and it's not whiny or juvenile. Like I stated before now in 2008, he changed his tune. and was more thankful for the cult following it have. It has, uh, he said, I love it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, no, I say, I'm saying this. I love it, and I think it's fantastic. It's the ultimate mood rock record, uh, and I find it funny that the same people who are harsh and critical about it then praised it years later and had no remorse for the effects that it had um, on the band. Again, this is uh, the band's future path was dictated by this record. Uh, so talk about an impact. Talk about an impact. Favorite tracks, no other ones. Across the Sea, El Scorcho, I'm taking the individualist stance, Pink Triangle, I was posting marks. Oh, um, all of them. Least favorite. If I had to pick one that was least favorite, I would say it's Get You. But again, that's a hard That's a hard one. So now, Mark, this is, this is the tough time, as always, right? The decision. Yeah. So I think... There are some really interesting things you brought up just now uh, in regards to Pinkerton. Um, You know, if this record hadn't happened, I wouldn't have had to listen to all that emo. So there's that. Um, But I think more importantly, right, we're talking about September of 94, this record came out. Can you think of any other really big records that came out that year? We're talking about Pinkerton or Blue now, you mean? Pinkerton. Pinkerton. So Pinkerton was 96, right? 96. God. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's okay. Um, I can't off the top of my head. It, it's still a massive year, right? We're mid-90s, huge things going on. Um, I mean, I'm sure massive records came out, but I just can't think yeah. of any right now on the top of my head. My, my brain was telling me it was the same year. I was thinking 94. I was thinking it was the same year Nevermind came out. Anyways, oh, okay. Yeah. Look, I'm just bullshitting on the spot here, folks. Okay? Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I'm, the, the truth is I'm, I'm a blue guy all the way. Um, I absolutely adore how dark and almost tragic Pinkerton is, uh, but the blue record's fucking near perfection. Uh, it's light, crisp, and, and just bubbling with darkness under the surface. Uh, <laughs> the hits still sound fresh uh, and hold up amazingly. It's, it's a great record. Pinkerton is awesome, and it's, there's some great stuff on there. It's just not the blue record for me. What about you, Frank? So I love the blue record, but I'm going with Pinkerton. Oh, he's going yeah. to have the record for the yes. can't see it uh, over the their earbuds or <laughs> however you're listening. The facts are that the Blue Album is their best-selling album and most popular. And on some lists, it's number one, and I'm totally cool with that. And if you know, if it's based on facts, then and, – and facts don't care about feelings, right, in my opinion. But this is subjective, right? So this is based oh, on – on, on feelings. Um, so my number one is Pinkerton, the emotion, the edge, the darkness, the isolation, the quality lyrics, imagery, solos, vocals. It does it for me personally. There's not a bad track on here. And it, uh, and just as it becomes super, 
it just became super popular after its re- release. The same thing happened in my world. It became popular to me. It taught me a lot about songwriting and how to describe what could be challenging for most. Rivers is my kind of rock star. He's quiet. He's awkward. He's authentic. He's not into himself like these other jerks are. Uh, he's a likable character. And, you know, uh, expressing his heart on an album is where you relate and where you root for him. So that's where I find myself with those feelings. Um, and this album to me is a remedy for, for those times. So, so Pinkerton for me all the way, Mark. <laughs> nice. You know, it, it's kind of funny how I'm the dark and brooding one and you listen to all that Taylor Swift and we prefer the albums that you would, the, the opposite would suggest. Um, <laughs> I, I, so this is, I was going to ask you, what did you think overall of the wine and which one paired better with the album? Um, but I just you, have to, yeah, I just did the Pinkerton one. <laughs> okay, well, so there you go. Yeah, there um, you go. <laughs> I, I liked the first one, the um, Frule. Oh. I'm not going to say it right, um, but the first one from the Blue Album, just because I got to go with that. Um, uh, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> So, so to answer your question, uh, yeah. okay. First of all, you, you mentioned uh, Taylor Swift. So I listen. I right. live in a house full of women, and 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 they and like most of those women are under are, are preteens and younger. Yes, yes. Uh, I guess they're all preteens. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife's three years older than me, but anyway. Well, I, yeah, but the other two are. <laughs> okay. Yes. Up. Yes. Which women so are you referring to? Yes. Are yes. very young. They like old school. Uh, Swifty, but uh, my wife says, listen, the, the new album is actually good. I'm not doubting that. I just doubt her authenticity as a person. But in all seriousness, listen, my darkness is is contained when I listen to these records like this and, and I get relief and, and through writing and other things. So even though on surface I, I appear maybe more lighthearted, a lot of it is maybe from listening to albums such as, such as Pinkerton. And, of course, this album's taught me a lot about writing. So um, just – just great overall, but the blue album's great overall. I have both of them here and been listening to them for the past week, and they're both equally it's been fantastic. Fun listening to them all week, hasn't it? Yeah, oh, it's great. Just it's like, great. just be like, like, oh, what are you doing? Hold on, I got to put on Weezer. Like, yeah, oh, it feels so good. Yeah, it feels so good. I went back and did like kind of like the top songs, like from all the other albums and all that stuff. It's just fun. Yeah, like that's. It, yes, yes, there is a lot of dark stuff there. There is a lot of inner term- turmoil. There is all that stuff. But really, there is so oh, so, so much fun just to be had. So music. good, and and we and we got the sprinkling weird owl stuff. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys knew it was bound to happen. Um, yes. So. so next episode, Mark, do you want to talk about it? Oh shit! Yeah, sorry. It's, uh, it's my pick. <laughs> yes, sir. Pick. Uh, we're going to go with a band that I recently uncovered while trolling the internet for all the wild new shit you can't find in record stores yet. Um, this pick, I'm, uh, I, I get like a wine burp building up. So nice, um, let it out, let it out, man. Let it out. Once, once it's there, I'll let you know. Um, it's the Frights and their 2016 album. You are going to hate this, uh, Frankie. Are you at all familiar with the band The Frights or their album? You are going to hate this. Yeah, Mark, I am not familiar with them at all, and that's really cool. Uh, like you, I love checking out new bands and new music, and I take your suggestions as gold. So I'm excited to check them out, my man. Ooh, no pressure. They're cool. Um, <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I love when we go into brand, bands almost entirely blind. So I'm just going to tease you uh, by saying this. You ready, Frank? Yes. Misfits Fuzzies meets Modern Angst with Harmony. There you, I mean, 
Let's see if I live up to any of that. I'm going to hold you to that. You know that now. <laughs> Fudge a bucket. <laughs> Fudge the bucket. That's right. <laughs> I think this is glass. Oh, the lid's on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might, you might want to take the lid off there, Bell. Yeah, there we go. The good news is I was on tight enough that I didn't spill everywhere. Yes, yes. Although, number five. Although on YouTube, that would have been hilarious. Well. <laughs> for me and everyone else, but not here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm excited to check out the frights. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. I, I'm, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. We enjoyed talking about it and, of course, coming up with everything. Uh, be sure to check us on our Facebook group. Hit the like and subscribe button on YouTube. And, of course, check out our Instagram page because we're going to have some cool stuff coming up. So uh, thank you, everyone, and be well. Hey, guys. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, listen to Weezer and bye-bye.